Kyle Matthews, uh, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to talk to me. It's my pleasure. Now, the uh, situation around Syria is changing very rapidly. The United States have just carried out uh, a series of strikes using cruise missiles. Uh, what do you make of it? Um, I think this is entering into uh, another phase of the Syrian conflict. Um, you know, it's been going on for five years. Uh, we've had a large number of, of people displaced, a lot of people killed, um, with the Assad regime backed by by um, both Iran and Russia. The U.S. engagement uh, it now in actually using military force against the Syrian military um, is uh, takes us to another level and. Um, while it degrades the capacity of the Syrian military to carry out any other air attacks against civilians uh, and, and using chemical weapons, which is what what led to this response, it puts the trajectory of this conflict now of, of one that, that puts perhaps the U.S. in direct conflict with Russia. Yes, Mr. Putin was not very happy, and Russia has announced that it's uh, uh, the attack was actually, uh, they called it... Um, a breach of the agreement uh, on, on the cooperation uh, on the safety in the skies, and they've just announced that they are suspending their uh, participation in this agreement. Um, how how serious can this get? That's the million-dollar question that that people are are, are beginning to think about. Um, you know, we've we've had before. We have a clash between when Turkey shot down a Russian jet, and people were really worried that that would escalate and take this from a more of a conflict within Syria to one that make it more uh, between several states, direct uh, conflict between states. Um, clearly, Syria is, is strategically very important to Russia, um, and Russia will do whatever it can to defend the Assad regime because its, its interests are supported by keeping Assad in power. Um, where this could go, this, this is, this is um, we're going to see play out in the next 12 hours. Russia has said it's going to uh, boost the air defense system of Syria. It's, it's now supposedly moving more military equipment and part of its navy closer to Syria. So we're seeing a, a larger movement of, of, of heavy weaponry and stuff to the Syrian conflict by Russia as a response to the U.S. Uh, attack that took place last night. Um, and, and like I say, we don't know where, where this is going. I hope cool heads will prevail um, and that we can focus on actually trying to stop this conflict and trying to really focus on the protection of civilians, which is the reason why the U.S. responded, it looks like. So in your mind, uh, was this just a one-off thing to... Um kind of warn Assad not to cross this line again? Or uh, do you see this as having potential of the United States getting uh, involved in Syria much deeper? Well, you know, the U.S. has been involved, and it actually has some troops on the ground getting ready to actually retake the city of Raqqa from ISIS. So, so they've been engaged in bombing and attacking ISIS on the ground from the air. Um, now this direct... Um, attack against the Syrian military does pose that question. Is this just a one-off, just a Trump that, you know, who totally changed his mind all along uh, before Trump was president? He, he, he was against military intervention. He said he supported the Russian side and actually uh, that under his leadership, the U.S. would focus on fighting ISIS and not worry about regime change or, 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 or punishing Assad. This totally changes that, and, and that's where everyone is thinking, is this a one-off or is this a, a total change in strategy? Um, and, and we don't know. Uh, we have to wait and see what the U.S. 
president and his um, cabinet decide to do, uh, but it definitely does seem like um, the alliance between the U.S. and Russia that seemed to have uh, that was was going to develop over the case of Syria is is, is breaking down dramatically. This is a raising a very um, interesting question for me that I haven't been able to uh, answer or, you know, haven't seen anybody else uh, answer it. What, given that the U.S., uh, the Trump administration had signaled it changed uh, towards, uh, in attitude toward the Assad regime, that it was no longer a priority for them, uh, the regime change was no longer a priority for Washington. What would be, uh, uh, what was Assad thinking if he indeed ordered the the chemical attack? Why would he do that? Well, um, as we're waiting for facts as to what happened, while most people suggest it's Assad, and, and I believe that all evidence points to that, um, you know, comments made by different uh, American officials led Assad and, and the Russians and the Iranians to believe that, that whatever they did, that there would be no consequence. Um, and so the chemical weapons, it, I mean, that were, that were dropped or used in the uh, urban area of, of Idlib, um, you know, that was one of the last remaining bastions uh, of rebel-controlled territory uh, that the Assad regime didn't control. So they were really pounding that area, trying to take control of it and reestablish that, that, their control over that part that, that borders with Turkey. Um, so maybe they just thought this is, you know, we're going to actually use whatever's at our disposal, there's no consequence, and we'll just, uh, you know, shock and awe and destroy the spirits of the civilians and the people living in this area. Um, that's what many people think. Um, but, you know, we've seen chemical weapons be used, you know, multiple times in this conflict, and, and every time there was never anything done seriously to, to hold Assad or, or some of the rebels that have used uh, other chemical agents. So it, it just shows that it's, a, it's, a, it's an ugly um, conflict. It's a devastating conflict. And up to this point, most Western governments have been really, I think, haven't shown any leadership in trying to uphold, uh, you know, the Chemical Weapons Treaty, trying to uphold the Responsibility Protect, trying to uphold all sorts of, uh, of human rights and international humanitarian law. That's been broken over and over again. And you, there's no doubt in your mind that this was uh, the Assad regime dropping a bomb and not, uh, as they claim, or as the Russians claim, them hitting a, a warehouse where the rebels were storing and making chemicals and weapons. Um, you know, I can't say for sure. Uh, there's still a lot of information that must come out. However, um, a lot of the patterns uh, that are emerging, uh, the use of sarin gas, it's really only the Syrian government that had access to those stockpiles that were they were forced to abandon uh, under an agreement um, uh, that was done and, and, and supported by Russia. So, it, so a lot of the evidence points towards um, the Assad regime. Um, but once again, we, you know, there has to be further investigation, but the U.S. felt that there was enough evidence that uh, the place that they targeted, the the Air Force base, they believe that's where the planes took off to drop uh, the chemical weapons on Idlib. Um, you know, but this is also a big propaganda war. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Russians are pushing out all sorts of different theories, saying that Syria tried to attack um, a rebel, uh, uh, you know, a rebel factory that was producing sarin gas. Um, 
they haven't provided any evidence that that's true. The Syrian regime says they didn't bomb anything. So, so there's mixed messages coming from from different parties of the conflict that that don't quite add up. Hmm. You you talked earlier about the international community's inability to or unwillingness to uh, uphold international humanitarian law when it comes to the use of chemical weapons, whether by the Syrian government or some factions of the rebels. Uh, how serious is this? That uh, chemi- I mean, we've had now several confirmed cases of uh, use of chemical weapons, mostly by the uh, the Syrian government, but also by uh, the Islamic State. No, it's, it's very serious. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's not just the use of chemical weapons. That, that's shocking, but it's also, you know, the mass murder of civilians um, and, and, uh, and crimes against humanity, uh, serious war crimes taking place. I mean, these are all, um, these are all things that states are not supposed to commit to. We have other governments sending in arms and supplies to e- to either uh, support Assad or to support and, and arm the rebels. Um, Turkey also has a has a you know has been playing a role in this that is also uh, should come to light. But but the fact that this conflict has gone on for for 5 years that uh, over and over again um, any positive response being proposed at the United Nations uh, has been blocked and shot down by uh, Russia and China using uh, using their veto power. Uh, I think is damning, and, and it brings into credibility um, the United Nations itself. And people are frustrated. And you know, we see this mass refugee crisis um, affecting Europe. Some could say destabilizing Europe, and it's a direct response to uh, to the the UN and the permanent five security mem- members of the United Security Council to actually um, do what's right for peace and security and, and, and try to protect civilians. They've they just failed miserably. What does this do for President Trump? Because it looks like this has been a godsend for him. I think there's a couple things to consider, both the international and the domestic. Um, at the domestic level, um, it, it gives him the position to, to kind of flex some muscle and to differentiate himself from from President uh, Barack Obama, and say that I'm I'm going to take action and do what's right. Um, it also opens up the door for a lot of naysayers and critics of Trump to also see him as actually doing something to uphold international law um, and to, uh, or at least uh, to punish a regime that's using chemical weapons. So it, it it supports him in a way. He's now getting you know 20 governments have come out saying they support what he did. The European Union, Canada. Um, different uh, Gulf states. So it does give him some of that international credibility, and it also shifts some of the discussions that he's been dealing with crises in, in, domestically in, in the U.S. and shifts it away from that. Um, so, so, yeah, in the short term, it, it seems to, um, to, to have benefited him. What is this doing to the uh, humanitarian crisis, the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Mosul, where, um, you know, the anti-ISIS uh, coalition, the Iraqi security forces, the Kurdish forces uh, um, are trying to, uh, you know, basically drive out uh, ISIS out of its last uh, big stronghold? Uh, well, the, it, it, it will have some impact on particularly the, the continuing operations to, to take back Mosul in Iraq. Um, 
because you know part of of the fight with Iraq uh, is the Iraq military also supported by Iran and certain groups. So so how will re, uh, Iran respond to this? Will they um, you know will they try to sabotage some of the operations in order to get back to the U.S.? We don't know, but a lot of the support's been being done also you know by the Kurds. So that doesn't change things. I think it really adds up though. It's going to be challenging for um, the upcoming operation to take the uh, the Syrian city of Raqqa, which is the ISIS stronghold. That hasn't begun yet, um, but there are American forces and Kurdish forces that are amassing uh, and planning to retake that, and, and they really needed support of the Syrian government, in, in, in at least in some manner, but also Russia. And now it, it appears that that's going to, um, going to, to become a, a major challenge. Hmm. Thank you very much. I really appreciate um, your time and uh, always pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me on.